Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Let's stand together and pray. Thank you, God, that you are our provider. Thank you, God, that we can trust in you, that you take care of us. Lord, you are so good. You're a great God. I thank you, Lord, that you, we have a relationship with you. We can cry out, Abba, Father. And whatever we need, God, we can trust in you to provide. Thank you for your sweet, sweet presence here today. Open up the word of God to our heart and mind, and we'll give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Sandy. Praise team. Beautiful song. It's so good to have you this morning at Faith Assembly with us. Take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, a very appropriate song for my message today. What I want to share to you from God's word about God's care God's provision about how we can come to our Heavenly Father. We, are in the, we just finished our miracle section on the book of Luke, and we're, now we're going to begin to look at some of the parables or teachings from the book of Luke. And there are some incredible parables in Luke's gospel. Some are peculiar only to Luke. You don't find them anywhere else in the other three gospels, and we'll be looking at those together. And this one is a parable on prayer. And I think if we'll get a hold of this parable this morning, it will change our life. It'll change how we pray. Uh, has, has any of you been ever asked to pray in public? Let me see your hand. You, somebody said, oh, okay, yeah. We, we've all been there. We've had that experience. And uh, maybe you're together in a family reunion or you're, they know you're a Christian. You know you're one of the Christians in the house. They want you to pray over the food or pray for the service or pray for the Bible study or you're in your small group and they ask you to pray. And, and what happens? happens is sometimes that first response is not me. I'll, I'll do anything. Don't ask me to pray out loud. And, and it kind of it intimidates us. And we think there's all these ninja prayer warriors around us. And surely they don't want me to pray. Uh, Peter Haas, uh, in his book, uh, Broken Escalators, tells a story, gives a few humorous tips on how to pray in public. And so I'm going to give you these tips today, and it may help you when it comes to your time to pray in public. So listen to these tips. Number one, shout and cast something out when you pray. <laughs> if Emily needs you to pray for her boo-boos, yell the devil out of her, just in case. Here's one, use lots of fire metaphors. Consume us with your flaming smoke of fire. Alternate with water analogies. Flood us with your dripping river of rain, O oh God. The general rule is you shout when you pray about the fire and you whisper when you pray about the flowing waters. Uh, here's another tip. Salt your prayers with obscure names for God. Your favorite deep in the spirit names for God like Jehovah Tishkenu or Jehovah Mishagest. I can't even say it, Mechadishkin. Uh, and, and if you want to really impress them in the Hebrew when you're saying those names for God, get that guttural sound out. And so it really, really sounds like you're spiritual. And if you get caught in the middle and don't know what to say, just start quoting the, uh, the line of El, uh, Amy Grant's song, El Shaddai, and just kind of go over that right in the middle of your song, and they'll think you're really, really spiritual. 
Now, now this is a, a, a humorous take on public praying, but I will tell you, our prayers are not to impress one another. And we got to guard against that because sometimes we can get the language out and we can use all the fiery language and we can impress all those around us, but we are not talking to God. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. Turn, if you would, real quick to Matthew 6. I want to show you a passage there. Matthew 6 and verse number 5. And it's a kind of a parallel passage to Luke's because he's going to go into the Lord's Prayer. We'll see that again in the book of Luke. But he tells us to start with, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your Father. Notice the word Father again. Knows what you need before you ask your father, your father. You see, the Pharisees, what he's saying is, it was indicative of their prayers. They had no real relationship with God. I think when we use those words and we try to frame our prayers to impress God or to impress those who might be listening in, we are doing that to impress man, but, but we're not praying out a relationship. You see, when you really understand who your father is, and how good your father is, and the kind of relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, it will revolutionize our prayer life because now I am praying out a relationship and not out a form or ritual or to fill my to-do list. You understand what I'm saying? You get, you get the difference there? Our Father. Pray to our Father. In fact, of all the names Jesus used when he approached God in prayer, he most often used the phrase Father. Father. He repeats it over and over again. And when you understand that, it will revolutionize your prayer life. Now, uh, when Jesus finished praying uh, the Lord's Prayer, he, the, 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 uh, or when he was praying, he was in a time of prayer. The disciples saw him. They heard him. They saw what he was doing. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now, the Bible says that as followers of Christ, our main responsibility is to make disciples. Obviously, if we are going to make disciples, I think one of the key ingredients in making disciples is teaching our disciples how to pray. John's taught his disciples how to pray. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, you teach us how to pray. So if we're going to talk about this whole concept of God has called us to make disciples, then part of that process ought to be teaching our, men, our disciples how to pray and how to seek the Lord. His prayers were different. There was something about his words, something about his heart, something about his relationship that these disciples wanted. So with that in mind, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we'll look at the parable this morning, and we'll start with verse number 1. And on uh, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. 
Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are with me in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, you get the story here. It's, it's very clear. The, it's, it's late in the hour. Now, in the Eastern culture, in this Middle Eastern culture, it, it was the way you treated your friend, hospitality was expected. And so if someone came to you at any time, morning, noon, or night, you were expected, if you were going to be a hospitable host, you were expected to give them something to eat and give them a place to sleep and give them shelter. And if you didn't, you would be shamed by not being able to do that. And so late at night, there is a traveler who's gone on a long journey. He's looking for something to eat. He's looking for a place to shelter, and he stops at his friend's house. There's three reference to friends right here. And so you got the friend who came to his buddy's house and says, can you put me up for the night? And so this friend is out of bread. They've eaten all the bread in the house. There's no more left. There's no time to prepare it. And so he goes to his friend, his next-door neighbor, and he begins to pound on the front door of the house. Now, you get the scenario there, and you get the story. The disciple, the one who said, Lord, teach me how to pray, the follower is the example of the one who's beating on the door saying, Lord, give me some bread, even though it's late in the night. That is a picture of the disciple. On the other side of the picture, you have the man in the house, and you have what you had typically in this culture was one-room houses, and so you have all the family sleeping in one room, and you have got their kids in there, and you've got the wife in there, and it's midnight, and they're all asleep. They fought with them to get them to sleep. They've finally gone down. They're all asleep. There may have been animals around the house, and so to wake up the family and to wake up all the animals would be a just very awkward, terrible situation to go through. And so he did not like the intrusion in the middle of the night. The friendship might not be strong enough to motivate this guy to give him something to help him out, a loaf of bread, but there's one motive the Bible says will cause him to respond. He says he will give him bread, not because he's a friend, but because of, in the King James Version, it says importunity. In the NIV that I read to you, it says because of his boldness, he will give him bread. Now, it's interesting in the Greek language, and I won't give you the Greek words and all that stuff. You'll forget it anyway. But the Greek language of boldness or importunity carries the idea of to bring shame to. And so this guy does not want to be shamed in the middle of the night, and so he will give bread to his friend, not because he's a friend, but because he doesn't want to be embarrassed, he doesn't want to shame his family, and so he will give him because of importunity, or the word says boldness, or shame there. Now, this reluctant neighbor, if the guy knocking on the door is a picture of the disciple, the guy in the house is a negative caricature of God. And sometimes the way we vision God is stingy. We think God's reluctant to bless. We think God's distracted by all the needs of the universe, and we think he's reluctant to give us blessings even though he can well afford it. Let me tell you, God is not like that. Your God is not a stingy God who responds simply because we drive him crazy. 
He doesn't grant our request to get us off his back. He doesn't, there's no awkward time with God. There is no midnight hour with God. We have a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. He's not in bed. And so this is a negative character uh, of what God is not like. This is not who God is. He, the Bible says he is more willing to give than we are to receive. He never sleeps, therefore he ne- is never disturbed when we approach him, no matter when we come to God. James, when he describes God, talks about God as a giving God who loves to give good gifts and satisfy our needs. It's, it's his delight to do that. We don't have to beg or force God into giving. This is not what you're to take from this parable, that we beg and beg a reluctant God until finally he wants to get rid of us and he grants our request. And yet there is an approach to the mercy seat of God and, that, and there's a certain approach that God wants us to use any time we come before him. And you get a hint of it right here in this parable. And I'm going to give you two things about how we approach our loving God. Number one, we approach him this way. He says, we ask boldly. He said he will not give him bread because he is a friend, but because he was bold enough to ask He will meet his needs. So when we come to our heavenly father, we can ask boldly. And then he goes on to describe what that boldness looks like. Look at verse number nine. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Notice the threefold explanation. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. The threefold exhortation is an exhortation to ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking and do not stop and do not give up. But it's a, it's a plea for persistent, persevering prayer. Ask, seek, knock. The threefold repetition of that says don't give up. Don't stop. There's emphasis there, and we can always do it boldly. If the friend who sought bread was not discouraged by the refusal of the man in the house, but continued to ask with ever-increasing boldness, how much more does it become us when Jesus does call us friends and we have a relationship with him that we never grow weary in bringing our petitions to God because he is a good, good God? We can ask boldly. Notice the progression, verse 5. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight to say to him, friend. Friendship breeds boldness. Now let me say that again. Friendship breeds boldness. Because he is a friend, I can be bold. Let me, let me explain it to you. The really the only way you can go to someone at midnight and knock on the door for something you need or call them in the middle of the night for something you need is that they are a very very good friend. Because you would not go to a stranger's house in the middle of the night and bang on the door and you might hear gunshots on the other side of the door. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Friendship breeds boldness. When we have that relationship with our Heavenly Father, then I can be free to be bold with Him because I have a relationship with Him. 
if he is a stranger, I will not knock in the middle of the night. You understand what I'm saying here? Uh, when, 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 I had, uh, when I was in junior high, and it was one of my birthdays, and, I, and, and for, for my birthday, I got to invite a bunch of my buddies over, and they were going to spend the night. It was a Friday night, and they were all over there, and we're all in one room together. We got sleeping bags spread all out, and there's a big bed in there, and, and, and we're hanging out, and, and we had a goal. And if, if you're in high school, junior high, if you can remember back to your days, your goal was to try to stay up all night long. Just stay up all night. And, you know, about, about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, you're running out of things to do. And, and, but you got to stay up all night long. you got to do it because this is one night and you're all in and you're like, you're like 13 years old or 14 years old and 13 and you're going to stay up all night and you run out of stuff to do. So we, we had an idea. We thought we're going to just dial random phone numbers on the phone. And we're going to get on the line, and when they answer the phone, we're going to ask this question. Is your refrigerator running right now? And if they said, yes, it is, they'd say, well, you better run, chase it, because it's going to get away. And then we'd hang up. We thought that was hilarious. We would do it. We'd just roll and laugh, and, and then we, the next guy had to make his call in the middle of the night. And, and uh, fortunately, they didn't have caller ID or uh, phone tracing back then, or the cops would have been after us for disturbing people in the middle of the night. It was kind of like that random, and we just thought that was the funniest thing. If a stranger calls me in the middle of the night, what do I do? I hang up that phone right away. I say, get off my back, leave me alone, I'm trying to sleep. But if, for example, I get a call and it says unknown on it. Now listen to me. For me, unknown probably means it's coming in from Nepal. And my daughter's calling me in the middle of the night, and we've had a couple of those calls over time. And when my daughter calls from Nepal, I pick up the phone because they're 12 hours difference, so their middle of the night for me is in the middle of the day for them, and it means we need to pray about something very, very urgently. And I receive that call because it's my daughter. If a friend from the church, somebody from the church, if I get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, I usually know it's not a great news that's coming in. It's probably a member of the church who's lost a loved one, who, is, who just needs prayer, or there's a crisis going on and right then. And what I do is I try to arouse myself, and I try to wake myself up, and I slap my face. And, then of course, they'll start out, I'm sorry, were you asleep? No, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I was just sitting up and uh, had nothing to do but watch infomercials all night long. No, uh, yeah, and, and we try to arouse ourselves and we respond. Why? Because there's a relationship. You get the idea? And the relationship is what breeds boldness. I can ask boldly because I have a relationship with my heavenly Father. And I can go to him anytime, morning, noon, or night. We read it in Hebrews 4. Let me give it to you Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He identifies with us. He became man. He is our great high priest. And then it says, let us therefore come, everybody say it together, boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So how does he invite us to come to this great throne of grace? I come boldly. Why? Because he's my dad. He's my high priest. Uh, he's my friend. Uh, I have a relationship with him, and I can come anytime. And that's the point of the parable. We are in covenant relationship through the blood of our faithful high priest. And so I can go at midnight. I can go with confidence that he is going to give me what I need. He's not going to turn me away. 
He's our Father. Ask, and you will receive. Even if the odds seem stacked against us, you're talking to your Heavenly Father who has never met His match, who is greater than any problem, any challenge, any obstacle, anything that you are going through. Never hesitate to be bold in His presence. He says, come boldly, come boldly before my throne of grace, and I will give you mercy, and I'll give you help, and I'll give you everything you need to make it through. Come boldly. A confident boldness comes from the fact that God is good. And he may answer no. I may ask and God says no. That's not what's best for you. But he will answer. Persistence is not about twisting God's arm and overcoming his reluctance. That's not the point of the parable. It's not about trying to make God do something and there's a reluctant, mean God who just wants to hold back and taunt you. But persistence is all about waiting on the Lord, bringing my hurts and my pains to him, knowing that I can come anytime, morning, noon, and night. And sometimes, even in those waiting times, I come day after day. It's during those times my faith grows, my faith is built up, my trust in God grows, and there's sometimes a reason for the wait. My trust in God expands, which leads me to my second point. It's simply this. I not only come boldly, I come trusting God. I come trusting God. And let's pick it up with verse number 11, and this, this is so neat. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more. Everybody say that together. How much more? One more time. How much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We can trust in God because his character is good. God is a good God. God is a good God. Now, if before he uses a negative example of the man in the house who refuses to open the door until finally he's just driven crazy and he does it because of his importunity, this time he will use a positive example of a loving, caring, earthly father and, and to illustrate the goodness of God. And so he says, earthly fathers, listen to me. If your kid comes to you and says, I need lunch money today, Dad. Uh, we're going to school. Can you give me some lunch money? Okay, son, I'll be back in just a minute. Here's a snake, you know, and you pull out a viper and shake it in his face, and, and the kid wets his pants, and it's just a terrible scene. No good earthly father would do that. Only a sadistic, cruel man would do something like that. Hey, Dad, can I have some snack money? Oh, here's a scorpion. I got my box right here, and you bit biting you all over. He uses this, this crazy example to illustrate Earthly fathers, just because they're, they got kids, are good dads typically. They want to treat their kids well. How much more? How much more? God delights to give us the gift of himself. And this has all been promised as a part of the new covenant. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 31. 
Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I led them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I come to him because I have a covenant relationship with the Lord God Almighty. I have been cleansed by his blood. I have been redeemed. I am adopted into his family. I have a relationship with Father, and he's a good father. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. I approach God not as a beggar. I approach God as a son or a daughter of the Almighty God. We cannot compare our love and goodness to God's. Still, we know how to give our children what they need. Now, not only is God good, but he is omniscient. He knows what's best for us. He is all-knowing. God knows exactly what we need. Now, here's the problem. I want you to follow this play on words. Sometimes when God says no, it's not because I asked for fish. It's because I asked for a snake. And God knows I don't need a snake. Sometimes when I ask, instead of asking for an egg, I ask for a scorpion. I just got to have this scorpion. And God knows that what I'm asking for will ultimately hurt me. So God in his goodness will say no. Now, if you guys have had teenagers, then you can kind of relate to this. If your daughter wants to go out with a guy who is a snake, what do you say? No, you're not dating that turkey. He's been kicked out of school. He can't hold a job. You'll have to support him the rest of your life. Yeah, you just, he's, he's a bad dude. If your kids are hanging around a den of scorpions, if they want to go to parties and bars and hangout locations, what does a loving, caring father do? He says, no. If your children want to go into debt or you want to go into debt to buy something that you don't need, you really think you've got to have that thing. And so I will borrow money, I will go in debt, I will run up my charge cards, uh, I, I, I become a slave to my debt. And we say, I want this thing, God will say, no, because it will come back to bite you. And so there are times we get it reversed. We really need a fish, I really need an egg, but I'm asking God for a snake. Mm, just think about that for a minute. He says, he says it in I, where, where the other gospel this is in. Tells a story in a couple different places. He says, if you, uh, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? One, one parable says good things. In, in Luke, he says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now listen to me. What did the Holy Spirit come to do? He came to guide us into all truth. 
And so when we pray and our prayers aren't answered, it's, not, it's I'm praying not according to God's will. He says, if you ask anything in my name or according to my will, it shall be done for you. But when I'm asking amiss or I'm asking to feed my own flesh and God says no, I, God's doing that because he's a good God and it's for my own good. You, you got this? And he says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit directs me to where I need to go, and he tells me what I need to do, and he tells me what I need from God, and he is the one who guides me and directs every step of my path, and he will lead me into all truth. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Then when I can pray in the Holy Spirit, I am praying directly according to the will of my Heavenly Father. And my will lines up with his will, and then I can ask knock and do those things how much more how much more does god your father know what you need how much more is he good than your earthly father he is better than your best friend in the middle of the night who's been bothered he is better than your good earthly father who Every earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his own children. Therefore, because he's better, because he's the more than God, he is the more than God, I can fully trust in him. Mm. Therefore, I can come boldly because he is a God of abundance. He is the much more God. He cares, he sees, he is able, and never forget God is always, always, always good. Let me give you just a few quick verses. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Listen to Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is from everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. James 1, 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. God is always, always good. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine, I will tell you, God is good all the time, all the time. He is the more than God. He is the God of abundance. Therefore, because of that, I can ask, I can seek, I can knock. I can ask boldly. I can seek boldly. I can knock boldly. Why? Because he's a good God. He's a good God. Now, Jesus opened this this, uh, parable, this story with the teaching on prayer. I want you to notice it once again. He gives us an awesome, bold kingdom prayer. And if you will begin to understand the depth of this prayer, and time does not, t- I've, I've actually preached whole series on the Lord's Prayer, breaking it down. There is so much in there. But if we get this pattern for prayer, if it was good for his disciples, it's good for us today. And so let's look at it again very quickly. First of all, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. I believe when you come to God, You address him as your father because he's a loving, great, wonderful, heavenly father because you have relationship with him. But when it says hallowed be his name, he is to be reverenced. He is to be reverenced for who he is. And because he's our father, we can welcome his provision and protection and guidance. And so we say, Father, Father, your name is hallowed. Your name is holy. We worship him. We start with worship and praise. You're a good father, and I love you so much, and your name is awesome, and your power is awesome. And then it says in the next phrase, your kingdom come. 
your kingdom come, and then Matthew's it to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It just simply says in Luke's, it's the shortened version, your kingdom come. This is a kingdom prayer. It is a prayer for God's redemption to come on the earth. God, your kingdom come. Your redemptive works come. Your will be done. It is a submission to the, the, the kingdom rule and reign of God in my heart and life. God, I welcome your kingdom. I follow your rule and reign. Whatever you want from me, whatever you ask for me, God, here I am. Your kingdom come. And then he goes on, give us each day our daily bread. And so it's okay for to ask God to meet our needs. Sandy sang that beautiful song earlier. We can ask. We can trust in God as our provider. God will take care of us. And, and there's also an illusion, our daily bread. It's, it's not just about the food we eat every day. But, Lord, make this daily bread come alive in my heart and life today as I read it and learn all about you and you feed my soul as well as my body. And he says in verse 4, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Without the maintenance daily of forgiveness and forgiving others, you will become bitter, angry, mean-spirited people. So we continually ask for that flow of God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And if I am so proud and so haughty, I can't forgive someone else for what they did for me, I don't understand God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. There's a disconnect somewhere. I I can't get it. And if I don't begin to release those around me, I will get deep bitterness in my heart and spirit, and it will stop the flow of God's grace. So I say, God, forgive me. Help me to forgive all those who've done anything against me. And then he closes with this, and lead us not unto temptation. God, I need your protection. Guard my heart, guard my mind, guard my eyes, guard my life. And, I, and God, I will trust you for your way of escape. Temptations will come, but it says in 1 Corinthians, God will, with that temptation, make a way of escape. So this is a pray, prayer that says, God, show me your way out. Show me your way of escape. Show me how I can flee this temptation that comes my way. An incredible model for prayer. It's for all of us. It's for all his disciples. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you? How many disciples are in the house today? Let's all stand together. Everybody stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now we're going to do something. I want you to go ahead and put that prayer on the screen if you would. We're going to pray this prayer. It's good enough for his disciples. It's good enough for us. This can be a model, a pattern for your prayer life every day. You have a little bit longer version in Matthew. I ask him to put it on the screen because typically when we quote the Lord's Prayer in a setting and we join hands and we all quote the Lord's Prayer, we typically quote Matthew's Prayer. It's a little bit longer. Uh, it talks about thy will be done on earth and in heaven. It ends with for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. And so, so it's a little bit longer prayer. But we're going to put Luke's up there because that's what we're studying. That's what we're learning out of today. So they'll put it back up in just a moment. And then we're going to pray that prayer together. There it is. Let's all pray it together. Look at the screen and really mean it from your heart. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence here today. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org 
for podcasts and videos of our previous messages. 